This is Affliction Fiction, a podcast regarding writers and artists who quite literally make their characters sick. I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. On this show, we analyze illnesses that exist in fictional works, such as TV, books, and film, and how they relate to the real world. And this week, we will be responding to yet another listener question sent in to us by a certain Michael A. Horlick. For those of you playing along at home, this is the same man who, in episode 7, we helped determine was stricken not with polywater intoxication, but just plain old alcohol intoxication. What a weird dude. He writes to us, James and Jennifer, thank you for putting my mind at ease about the polywater intoxication. I realize now it was probably just the whiskey. However, I woke up this morning with similar symptoms, dizziness, headache, coughing, etc., even though I didn't have any whiskey last night. And I'm also bleeding from both eyes, just like the poor folks on Psych that contracted the Thornburg virus. My son Daniel, who does not drink whiskey, but is a big fan of Psych, is worried he might also start bleeding from his eyes. I know you have many fans that ask you about many afflictions, but if you have time, please let me know if you think I have Thornburg virus. Thanks again. Well, Mickey, my dear, that certainly sounds like a predicament. And indeed, the characters on Psych did have quite the eventful run-in with the Thornburg virus. The premise of Death is in the Air, the episode which features the Thornburg virus, is that a character named Donnie Lieberman is tasked with transporting vials containing the Thornburg virus to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention headquarters. Somewhere along the way, however, the cooler containing the vials gets snatched from him, which consequently releases the disease to the U.S. public. Donnie, what was in the cooler? Uh, the, the Thornburg virus? The Thornburg virus? Thornburg. What does this have to do with Richard Chamberlain? That's the Thornburgs. Thornburg is an extremely rare virus that usually targets people in Africa, which makes it racist, by the way. Donnie, if someone were to open this cooler, what would happen exactly? Ah, well, uh, if someone went so far as to touch the contents of the vial, that, uh, oh, that would not be good. How not good are we talking? Well, Thornburg moves pretty quickly once you have it, you know, and there's a host of symptoms. It's headaches, weakness, bleeding, sometimes even from the eyes. As previously mentioned, the symptoms of Thornburg virus include headaches, weakness, and bleeding from the eyes. Each of these symptoms can be examined separately and more in depth. First, headaches. Now, we all know about headaches. Headaches! You give me headaches! According to the World Health Organization, almost half of all adults worldwide will experience a headache in any given year. They're one of the most common medical complaints because they have so many different causes and can suggest other underlying medical problems. Medical News Today reports that headaches can be signs of emotional distress or just general stress. Headaches can also be a result of migraines, high blood pressure, anxiety or depression, or a deficiency in certain nutrients, such as magnesium and B vitamins, due to poor diet. Furthermore, headaches can be a medical condition on their own, for example, chronic migraine headaches. The International Headache Society organizes headaches into two categories, primary and secondary. Primary headaches are not caused by another condition. They're caused by the overactivity of structures in the head with pain sensitivity, including blood vessels, muscles, and nerves of the head and neck. Examples of primary headaches include migraines, cluster headaches, and tension headaches. Migraines create a pulsing, throbbing pain, usually on one side of the head, and they can last from a few hours up to three days. Other symptoms of migraine include blurred vision, lightheadedness, nausea, and sensory disturbances. The World Health Organization reports that migraines are the sixth highest cause of days lost due to disability worldwide. That's a lot of headaches! 
Cluster headaches cause sudden, severe, concentrated pain and last between 15 minutes and three hours. They can occur from once per day up to eight times a day for weeks or even months. Tension headaches are the most common primary headache. These headaches occur during midday and begin slowly and gradually. They feel as if there's a tight band around the head, a constant dull ache on both sides, or pain spread to or from the neck. Tension headaches are either episodic or chronic. Episodic attacks can last from a few hours to several days, while chronic tension headaches last for 15 or more days per month for a period of at least three months. On the other hand, secondary headaches have further underlying causes, meaning that another condition triggers the pain-sensitive nerves of the head. Examples of secondary headache causes are hangovers, brain tumors, blood clots, brain bleeds, brain freezes, carbon monoxide poisoning, concussion, dehydration, stroke, influenza, and panic attacks. Headaches are usually treated with good old rest and pain meds. However, if that traditional route of treatment doesn't work, there are alternative treatment methods. Examples of these methods are acupuncture, hypnosis, meditation, and herbal and nutritional health products. These approaches tend to be trial and error because not all of them have enough evidence to be proven to relieve headaches. Other home remedies include applying a heat or ice pack to the head or neck, avoiding stress, and eating regularly. And I do. We can also discuss weakness, a concept with which I am very familiar. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone. According to the University of Michigan Medicine, weakness is a lack of physical or muscle strength and the feeling that extra effort is required to move your arms, legs, and other muscles. Weakness itself is not a disease. It's a symptom. We all experience general weakness. It happens after doing too much activity at once, such as after I walk up the stairs to go to Palladium brunch, or walk up stairs in general. Happens to the best of us. General weakness usually subsides quickly. However, generalized muscle weakness can be caused by other health issues. These issues include low levels of potassium or sodium, infections like urinary tract infections or respiratory infections, or either low or high thyroid levels. More serious disorders associated with generalized muscle weakness are Guillain-Barre syndrome and myasthenia gravis. Guillain-Barre syndrome is a rare nerve disorder causing leg, arm, and other muscle weakness that can lead to complete paralysis. Myasthenia gravis is another rare chronic disorder that causes weakness and rapid muscle fatigue. Subjective weakness occurs when a person feels weak but hasn't actually lost any strength. This happens as a side effect of the flu, for example. Weakness can also be caused by metabolic, neurological, and muscle diseases. Some of these disorders include ALS, which you might remember from the summer of 2014 when the ice bucket challenge was popular, Bell's palsy, cerebral palsy, a pinched nerve, and Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Yeah, I remember the ice bucket challenge. Although in my version, what had happened was I fell asleep with my foot in a bucket of water in 20 degree Fahrenheit weather, and when I woke up, I had to thaw my ankle out. Did that actually happen? It was an ice bucket challenge. I'm upset. Weakness concentrated in one area can be caused by stroke, injury to a nerve, or a flare-up of multiple sclerosis, or MS. The National Multiple Sclerosis Society describes MS as an unpredictable, often disabling disease of the central nervous system that disrupts the flow of information within the brain and between the brain and the body. Its cause is unknown. But some scientists believe it happens because of some environmental factor to which people with MS are predisposed to respond. The symptoms of MS, besides muscle weakness, include changes in vision, paralysis, vertigo, tremor, painful involuntary muscle contractions, slurred speech, and fatigue. There is currently no method to prevent MS. Though there have been great advances towards a cure for MS, it still does not have a general cure.
And the last symptom we can examine is bleeding from the eyes, which happens to me every time I watch an Adam Sandler film. That's fair enough. Do you recall Jack and Jill? I never I try saw it. not to. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say the name of what the medical term for bleeding from the eyes is because after sitting in this booth for five minutes trying to get Jennifer to say the name of it, she cannot pronounce it. So bleeding from the eyes is medically known as subconjunctival hemorrhaging. Subconjunctival hemorrhaging. Oh! Why'd you get it now? <laughs> Why, after I said it and told all of them within the context of the sentence, did you now say? The American Academy of Ophthalmology defines this condition as when one or more blood spots appear on the whites of the eye. Two parts of the eye are involved in subconjunctival hemorrhaging. The first is the conjunctiva, which is the mucous membrane that covers the front of the eye and lines the inside of the eyelid. The second is the sclera, also known as the white of the eye. Subconjunctival hemorrhaging occurs when a blood vessel in the conjunctiva breaks and blood leaks between the conjunctiva and sclera. By itself, subconjunctival hemorrhaging is harmless. We made it through that together. Anyway, this condition is commonly caused by coughing, sneezing, and other straining actions. These actions cause the blood pressure in the eyes to briefly rise, which may result in the breaking of a capillary in the eye. Eye bleeding could also be caused by eye trauma, so don't rub your eyes too hard or you could make yourself look like you have Thornburg virus. Jennifer, why did you write that into our script? I like it. I don't. Some of the less common causes of this condition include diabetes, high blood pressure, and blood thinning medicines. Very rarely does this condition mean there is a more serious health issue in the body, such as a blood clotting disorder. The red spots heal on their own without any treatment, which can take up to a few weeks. So even though bleeding from the eyes looks gross and painful, it doesn't actually cause any pain itself. Subconjunctival hemorrhaging is more of a side effect than a disease or a condition. So to answer your question, Michael, the Thornburg virus is indeed a fictional disease, and one that was safely contained by the end of its television appearance at that. What your bloodshot eyes indicate is most likely a bad case of the Mondays. And looking at your track record with whiskey, we can't say we're surprised. So another interesting thing to note about the Thornburg virus is that a character named Gus notes that it typically only affects people in Africa, which, according to him, makes it a racist disease. And while we can't argue with that, in actuality, the virus didn't affect people in the U.S. because it was geographically confined to the African continent. It was not, as he seemed to suspect, racially confined, as the disease is seen to affect victims of many different races once it is brought to the U.S., However, there do in real life exist diseases to which some ethnic groups are more or less susceptible. The Genetics Home Reference of the National Library of Medicine notes that while generally people of any ethnicity can be afflicted with any disease, certain genetic conditions are more likely to occur in certain ethnic groups. For instance, Tay-Sachs disease is more likely to become present in people who have French-Canadian or Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry, while sickle cell disease is more likely to occur in people of African or Mediterranean heritage. This is because people of a shared ethnicity also share specific versions of genes that have been passed down through ancestry. Oftentimes, these genes contain a mutation which causes or increases susceptibility to a disease, and this increases the presence of a disease within a given ethnic group. Another interesting thing to note about the way that Thornburg virus is implemented artistically within the episode is that how it's depicted in the show doesn't really align well with the name of the episode. The title of the episode is Death is in the Air, but a character on the show indicates that generally Thornburg virus is not transmissible through the air. I will hazard a guess 
that they touched the sample accidentally because the virus is not typically effective as an aerosol. And given this information, the title of the episode doesn't really make any sense. It was likely just chosen as a reference to a John Paul Young song called Love is in the Air. And believe me, it is not. In terms of what motives the writers of Psych had to create a disease, inventing a fictional condition allowed them to shape that condition so that it fit the parameter set by the episode's plot. With a fake illness, you can introduce it and completely eradicate it by the end of the work, consequence-free. Had Psych eliminated all cases of a real disease in the U.S. for its plot, it would not have been believable, not to mention it would have undermined the complexity of the disease to people actually living with it. For instance, imagine someone with a heart disease watching a show in which all heart diseases are completely cured and eliminated. Additionally, afflictions in fiction will work better when they align with the overall tone of the work that they're found in. Given that Psych is a comedy, it made more sense to create a disease rather than attempt to navigate appropriately depicting a real one. This arguably would be the same case for a popular basic cable crime drama like CSI or NCIS, in which the format is condensed and little attention is given to anything other than what the plot expressly communicates. Whereas more critically acclaimed dramas could likely more closely examine real disorders, since they tend to a lot more time to how experiences like diseases affect characters on an individual level. That's all we have to say for now, but what do you think? Do you have a question or contribution to today's discussion? Do you know of a fictional illness that you'd like us to talk about? Do you have personal experience with a condition similar to a fictional one, which you'd like us to discuss? If so, send us an email at afflictionfiction at wnyu.org. For now, I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. Thanks for listening. And get well soon. Psych Season 4, Episode 13, Death is in the Air, was written by Bill Callahan and Anupam Nigam and is property of NBC Universal Television Distribution. Drake and Josh Season 1, Episode 5, First Crush, was written by Steve Holland and is property of Viacom. Ultimate by Denzel Curry was written by Denzel Curry and Ronald Spencer Jr. and is property of C9. Love is in the Air by John Paul Young was written by Harry Vanda and George Young and is property of Albert Productions. Lover's Carvings by Bibio was written by Stephen Wilkinson and is property of Warp Records. 